The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from thought leaders who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to address societal topics, and more importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. I promise that. I say it and I always mean it and we deliver here on Game Changers Radio. If you know the code, I said welcome, welcome, not three times. That means we have two guests today. Aha. And by the way, a shout out to Romana Reidinger and her team at SAP for sponsoring Meet the Visionary Game Changers Radio. This is our 13th episode and this is the end of their season, but I'm hoping they'll come back later this year let's get started the buzz today business on steroids Woo! there we go wow is all i can say the digital economy you know we talk about it all the time it is creating billions i said billions with a b billions of connections between businesses people, devices, sensors, data, and processes with tenfold growth expected by the year 2030. Now do the math. We're 2016. It's not that far away. But this era is called the era of hyperconnectivity. Get it? Hyper and steroids? Yes. There is, unfortunately, a downside. The downside is there is increasing, increasing demand for resources and volatility in markets is escalating. So how can you reset the balance in our favor, your favor, society's favor, your industry's favor, the culture's favor, the civilization's favor? Well, Talking to all of you out there in the business world, because we're on the business channel. Companies like yours can wake up the physical world by using the Internet of Things and big data. How? You can re- conserve resources. You can reduce costs. Who doesn't love that? You can transform how you serve your customers. Who doesn't love that? And who doesn't need that? And best of all, you can generate new, sustainable bottom line revenue. I look at this and I say there's a win-win-win in there for every company. We have two experts today. One is a newcomer and one is a returning guest. He was on one of our other series recently, so let me get started. First up, it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Miroslav Riba. I'm pronouncing it with all the right rolled R's, I'm told. He's executive director of the EMEA Advisory Center for EY. That's Ernst & Young. And Miroslav has sent me a wonderful quote from Benjamin Franklin. Those of you who are scratching your heads, oh, come on, you must have heard of him. But here's a refresher. He lived from 1706 to 1790. He was one of the founding fathers of the U.S. You may not know, excuse me, that Benjamin Franklin earned the title of the first American Aha! Uh-huh. For his early campaigning for colonial unity in early 
colonial U.S. He was the first U.S. ambassador to France. He was a polymath, an author, a printer, a political theorist, a politician, a Freemason, a postmaster, a sci- I'm not done yet, a scientist, an inventor, a civic activist, a statesman, a diplomat, and as a scientist, he was a major figure in American Enlightenment and the history of physics. And as an inventor, here's where you may know him. Benjamin Franklin invented the lightning rod, bifocals, uh-huh, the Franklin stove, and a lot of other things. And he started the Philadelphia's first fire department at a university. And I think there's a bridge named after him outside of Philadelphia. Here's the quote Miroslav has sent me today. If you would not be forgotten as soon as you are dead... Either write something worth reading or do things worth writing. Dr. Miroslav Riba, how are you, Miroslav? Great, great. Thank you for inviting me for, for, to the show. I'm Delighted to have you. We, we are, I'm so happy to speak with you. And this quote from Benjamin Franklin is so interesting because if you think about it, Miroslav, he did what he's saying because he is not forgotten. We still talk about him. We name things after him. We still celebrate him. We use his inventions. So he either wrote something worth reading or he did things worth writing about. And I think he did it all. So tell me, Miroslav, how does this quote relate to our topic today? We're talking about the Internet of Things and specifically reimagining your business model. So tell me, how does this quote relate? Yeah, actually, when I, when I heard this uh, quote a couple of years ago for the first time, actually, it hit me. And uh, when I was thinking what quote would fit best to the topic which we are discussing today, I got struck yesterday or a few days ago that that's exactly the quote. Because uh, for me, it has two dimensions, two meanings. The first one, is uh, that uh, the life is definitely too short to do the things which uh, are immaterial, in, not important. So we should focus on the things which do matter. And uh, as we see the world around us, the digital transformation is taking place, and we witness it uh, all day long. And IoT is actually the foundation of this digital change this uh, digital transformation of the whole world around us. And that's exactly uh, how it relates, because we sh- this OT, this digital change, actually matters. So that's, uh, that's why I believe that this quote is great. But uh, it has also the second meaning, uh, mm-hmm. much more personal for me, because uh, I discovered in, in high school already that uh, I'm not a Shakespeare. I was always sick when I had to submit my essay uh, at the end of the week. And uh, I was trying to find all the possible reasons to not go to school because of this, of this essay I had to submit. And uh, this quote actually sends me a clear message. Just outsource the writing. So if I want to be remembered, I would not write about it. So the only chance for me is to say and do things which are worth remembering. And uh, IoT is exactly this, this kind of thing. Thank you, Miroslav. I, when I met you on our prep call yesterday, I told you I thought you were charming, and I was right, and you did not let me down. Great sense of humor. Thank you very much. A very interesting start to our our commentary. And by the way, was I right to say that with the IoT and the era of hyperconnectivity that business is on steroids, or would you say business needs to be on steroids? What's your thought on that before we move on to our next panelist? 
Um, I believe it's, uh, it is. It is because uh, without IoT, uh, this all digital change uh, will never happen. So uh, IoT is kind of a gravity in the universe. It makes this uh, digital change possible uh, and enable it. So that's the, the gravity of the universe. IoT is the gravity of the universe. I have to write that down. Uh, I'm going to tweet that right in a second. I know that John Ward at SAP is tweeting and listening, and we've got people at EY, where you come from, who are also tweeting and listening or listening and tweeting, so I want somebody to retweet that. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Miroslav. Delighted to have you. I know you're calling in from Poland, and we'll talk to you about that in just a couple of minutes. And now let me welcome my second panelist who was on, as I said, another Game Changer show recently. Very pleased to have him back, because I was planning to invite him back anyway, and somebody beat me to the the punch. It's Kai Gorelick, G-O-E-R-L-I-C-H-S-A-P-S-E. He's a research director and digital futures in SAP marketing. Kai sent me a quote from a comic strip, and that happens once in a blue moon, very rarely. The quote is from Calvin in Calvin and Hobbes. Those of you who aren't familiar with Calvin and Hobbes, let me give you, of course, you know, I'm going to give you a little background here. Calvin and Hobbes was a daily comic strip penned and designed by American cartoonist Bill Waterston, W-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N, that was syndicated from November 1985 to December 31st, New Year's Eve 1995. It was called The Last Great Newspaper Comic. It has popular influence and academic Academic interest. It follows the humorous antics or activities of Calvin, who is a precocious, mischievous, adventurous, I like all those words together, six-year-old boy, and Hobbes, his stuffed tiger. And the pair is named after John Calvin, the 16th century French Reformation theologian, and Thomas Hobbes, a 17th century English political philosopher. At the height of its popularity, the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes was featured in over 2,400 newspapers around the world. And in 2010, reruns of the comic strip appeared in more than 50 countries, and there's a book about it that sold over 45 million copies. Uh, by the way, in April, on April 14th, just a go oh, about two weeks ago, there was a spoof. Uh, Berkeley Brethed, the creator of the comic strip Bloom County, said that Bill Waterston had decided to sign over the franchise of Calvin and Hobbes to Bloom County. And, of course, that wasn't true, but it was a cute spoof on Facebook. Here's the quote that Kai has sent us from Calvin and Hobbes. As my artist's statement explains, my work is utterly incomprehensible and is therefore full of Deep significance. Kai Gorlick, welcome back. How have you been? Yeah, thank you. I'm good. Thank you for being back. Oh, we're delighted to have you. As I said, I was planning to invite you back anyway, and somebody beat me to it, and your name popped up on a list of panelists, and I said, great, I know Kai. So, Kai, are you a follower of Calvin and Hobbes? Tell me how you picked this quote, because it's wonderful. Yeah, actually, my most favorite is, because I work in marketing, um, my, my colleagues would kill me for this one, but... My favorite is my brain always rejects attitude transplants. So um, working in marketing, you shouldn't say that, but I, I, I just love it. You know, it's just like, you, you know, you're very resistant to these marketing messages. And I thought this one here is great because it basically explains that um, if, you, if, you, if you think it would not be about art, but about business models, it, it's a perfect fit, you know. Um, our business model is so complex and so well thought out, you know, that's full of deep significance, and then Uber or Airbnb comes around, and they blow everything into pieces. 
And that's it what happens today, I think. It's just, you know, that we overstretched somehow the, the complex business models and IoT just takes it apart. Very interesting. I, I love the part of the quote that says, my work is utterly incomprehensible, therefore full of deep yeah. significance. Uh, do, do you think that any data scientist today would be flattered by that if I went to them and said, hey, Bob, you're a data scientist and you're doing IoT for this company that's putting sensors in everybody's nail polish or in everybody's uh, the rims of their eyeglasses. That's probably already been done. And uh, we can't understand a thing you say or a thing you do, but we certainly think it's going to make a profound impact on the universe, part to quote your colleague on the panel, Dr. Miroslav uh, and Miroslav Riba. So, what do you think? Do you think anybody would be flattered by that, Kai? Um, I don't know. I think I think that. <laughs> but you hit a hit a main problem. The main problem in in big data is that that if you have a huge mass of data, the answer, whatever you ask, will be forty two, right? So it, you can basically prove or disprove anything. So uh, when we walk into this this immersed IoT world where everything talks to us, we have to find a way to deal with these huge amounts of data where we can basically prove or disprove anything that we want. And it's, it, with that, it's, it's totally meaningless if we do not learn it. So, um, yes, I think they, they would be rather, um, rather flattened, maybe not, but they would for sure think about it twice, yeah. Okay, well, we want people to think about it twice or even a few more times, don't we? Good idea. Thank you, Kai, and welcome back. Now let's turn back to our other panelists. Our first panelist, Dr. Miroslav Riva. Am I pronouncing that with the right number of rolled R's, Miroslav? Am I do, do I get a good grade on this? <laughs> Actually, you're A+. Oh, thank God. I stayed up all night practicing your name. Don't tell anybody. Miroslav, tell me where you're calling from. I know it's somewhere in Poland. What time of day or later it is, morning, afternoon, evening, and either what you're drinking right now, if it's interesting, and if not, what are you planning to drink after the show? Miroslav? Right now, I'm in Warsaw, and it's uh, 4.15, so it's a pretty early afternoon for me. And, uh, well... In my in my cup, there is a reminder, reminder for me for not being reckless, and uh, I simply forgot that uh, the early spring weather changes rapidly, and uh, I forgot about it last weekend, and uh, I went biking, and uh, voila! In the middle of the day, the weather changed. There was no sun anymore. There was uh, strong cold wind, and Got, I got soaked, and uh, now I'm Aww. enjoying myself the, the tea with a uh, humongous amount of uh, raspberry juice, just to at least be able to talk. And uh, the only part which makes me feel better is that uh, the color of this, uh, of this tea is uh, such strong that uh, it reminds me the good uh, dark red uh, wine, which I could have in the evening if I wasn't on the, on the antibiotics. So nothing <laughs> spectacular in my in my cup, unfortunately. But at least you know I'm in the office, so <clears throat> at least no one uh, will have any claims that I'm drinking in the office. You're safe. I'm glad you're safe. I'm, I'm glad you're on the right kind of meds, and I'm glad you're getting better, and oh, my goodness. So that sounds like an interesting day. Thank you. Kai Gorlick, where are you calling from today? I know it's not the U.S. I'm guessing Germany. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Yes, near Heidelberg, Germany near Heidelberg, yes, exactly. And what time is it there? 
a quarter past four in the afternoon. And what are you drinking? Coffee with almond, so with almond milk, because I try to avoid cow milk now. So that's my now favorite. That's that's the substitute for cow milk. If any, anybody wants to give it a try, almond milk works pretty good, and you can come up with a very solid foam. Actually, you can build houses with it if you want. So that's cool. <laughs> wait a minute, you can build houses with the foam from almond milk. Is that what you're saying? It's it's very very yeah. It's even more solid than the milk foam. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness, do you think it's going to give uh, Legos a, a run for their money in terms of building blocks for kids to use to build structures and imagine things? Yep, we should sell it with a 3D printer maybe. Yeah, that, that could work. <laughs> I think so. We're, that, that is Go ahead. Isn't that something? This Almond milk foam can build houses. I like that. That's very creative. Meet the Visionaries. We, we could get the two of you back for our, an episode on one of our other series called Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. I was in Manhattan going to uh, the theater, Broadway, this weekend, and, and when you buy tickets at a certain place called the TKTS line, it's uh, a theater development fund it sponsors this place where you can go and stand in the middle of Times Square on a very long line and wait for half-price tickets on all the shows that have matinees that day or evening shows and it's a line that draws people from all over the world. It's a very fun way to get theater tickets but I had two and a half hours to kill before the theater started Before, and I saw An American in Paris which is I think one of the best Broadway shows I've seen in my life. The two of you, if you come to New York you've got to get tickets to it no matter how you do. You've got to see the show. Anyway I, I was in Rockefeller Center walking around. It was a gorgeous day. 75 degrees sunny blue skies. Magnificent day to be in New York and in Rockefeller Center, I happened to see the Lego store. I didn't go in, but it was very prominent. And I don't know if the two of you are aware, but in the world of innovation today and design thinking, Legos have become a tool of creativity, not just for little children, but for adult children who are thinking literally outside the box, who want to create models. And they're also used in design thinking workshops for people to build models of things they're they're imagining. Did you know that, Miroslav, that popular Popularity of, of Legos, I think you can't even get them at Christmas anymore. They're back-ordered so far. Did you know that? Actually, yes. And uh, actually, I have uh-huh. seen a couple of models built on uh, Lego blocks. And uh, even uh, even in, U- in UI, we have the whole lab where we leverage Lego blocks and uh, uh, simulate behavior of uh, different uh, production lines using the Lego blocks and our models which uh, which apply on the devices uh, which are built out of Lego blocks. So I'm totally with you that uh, this is a toy for the for the big boys. Wow, and the big girls. Can't forget the big girls, right? There must be big girls somewhere in that uh, in, in those design seminars, in those design se- sessions, right? Tell me <laughs> tell me there are big girls there, Mirosov. <laughs> Uh, there are plenty of them, and uh, they're they're lovely. Uh, well, there they're you go. Making, You've re- they're making our days. You've redeemed yourself. Thank you very much. You know what, gentlemen? I'm not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days, and I think you already know why. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm so happy to be here with this 13th episode of Meet the Visionary Game Changers Radio. As you can already tell, my two panelists are talkative. They're smart. They're charming. They're interesting. They know how to think on their feet outside the box, and I'm looking forward to a great roundtable when we come back after a 60-second break. The topic today, Internet of Things, also familiar 
familiarly known as IoT, reimagining your business models. What is it going to take for you to save your business, save the planet, and all that good stuff? So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin out. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The world is at an inflection point where we capture more information than ever before and are more interconnected. While this has led to technological breakthroughs where new industries have been created, there are still new areas evolving where billions of people can be reached. All it takes is to unlock the transformative power of technological change to improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Meet the Visionary Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Meet the Visionary Game Changers. Here we are, and we're back, and I'm speaking today with two panelists. They have so much to say, that's all we needed for the panel. Dr. Miroslav Riba at EY calling in from Poland, and Kai Gorlick at SAP calling in from Germany. And I'm Bonnie D. Graham in New York, and we're ready for our roundtable. Our topic, if you're just joining us, is Internet of Things, Reimagining Your Business Models. Now, that presupposes you imagine them once, that you have a business model, and that you're reimagining them again. However, if you're a newbie in business, Business. If you are an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, you're thinking about business, this topic is important to you because we are in the era of hyperconnectivity. We're in the digital economy. Sensors are everywhere. Data is everywhere. So even if you're a newcomer to business, I want you to listen because you're going to learn a lot, I promise you. We're starting the roundtable with some notes from Dr. Miroslav Riba at EY. And here's what Miroslav told me before the show. He said, the word digital is equal to the word business today. The term is broad. However, each business sees it differently. Some say it means not analog. Some say it means ones and zeros. Some say it means social media or better user interfaces. And some even say it means a new quality of life. Miroslav, let's take this and run with it, please. Very interesting topic. Please go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Bunny. So, as, as you actually summarized, uh, today everyone is talking about digital, and uh, digital became a buzzword, and everyone understands it in a different uh, different way. At the same time, it's all about the same, about changing our lifestyle, the way of doing business, the way of thinking, the the industrial processes, the uh, commercial attitudes of customers. Few years ago, uh, we're taught, we're thinking in a structured way. Today, we are thinking totally out of the box. Anyone who is thinking in a 
organized way today is out of, out of business in a couple of months or of years because there is no room for the old structured organization companies right now. Mm-hmm. Everyone needs to be agile, needs to adjust uh, to the needs of customers who are changing all the time, which are changing uh, overnight. And uh, the, this uh, glue, which is uh, uh, this gravity, as I told you before, uh, mm-hmm. is the technology. And all this digital change is enabled uh, thanks to the technology which was not available 10, 15 years ago on this uh, such a huge scale as it is right now. So when we think and we say digital, we mean that uh, these solutions, these brand new innovative solutions or adaptation of the technology actually is driving the business. So now technology is uh, the eminent component of the business process. And uh, that's what, cha- what is changing right now. And uh, that's what brings this huge value to, the, uh, to our society and uh, to the economy. That uh, we can simplify, we can optimize, we can uh, uh, adjust the way of doing business, having the proper insight, proper technologies, proper tools, and actually leverage whatever is available, you applied uh, with the great intellectual potential of startups to actually mm-hmm. create the new, new reality. And that's digital. Thank you very much. Very, very provocative. And there's a lot more in your notes I'm going to do in a read later, but I want to make sure we get Kai Gorlick into this. Kai, what do you think? Agree, disagree, digital equals business today? What, what's your POV on this? Yes, I think it's it's a valid um, argument that business is is driven by digitization. But if you if you go into the heavy in- industries like manufacturing, you see that or oil and gas that large part of that business is still physical assets. But that will change very fast. So uh, it, it may not be totally digital. At least we are living you know we're li- living in a physical world, so it has to be has to be a material, let's say, but it will be interactive, so it will be digitized, can interact with us over a digitized channel. And that's the change, I think, before the, the things were silent or uh, not interactive, uh, not talking to us like I'm a machine and I'm able to do this or this or this. They were just sitting around and, and waiting to be turned off or on. And that will change a lot. And so the business models will, yes. Thank you very much. I, I want to ask you, Miroslava, I'm looking deeper into your notes here. There, The gardener's outside. I hope you don't hear the buzz. It should go away soon. Uh, digital transformation is hype until IoT comes along and translates it into real solutions. Do you think the, the word on the street out there in, in terms of real businesses, big businesses, mature businesses, and as we mentioned, entrepreneurs, startups, people just thinking about a business, do you think that digital transformation is in fact hype to them? It's something that, well, there's this big thing called digital transformation, and I don't really believe in it because either I'm already digital or it scares me. Uh, do you think, how long will it take for people to understand that IoT is what's going to turn it and make it real? Any thoughts on that? Actually, I believe that uh, all the entrepreneurs and startups don't think, 
they don't care what Gartner says. They are doing what is uh, good for for their business, and uh, they are doing exactly what they believe is uh, what, what they believe matters. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's why we came up to a situation right now where digital is or IoT is on a hype because everyone realized that's the future, that's the potential, and uh, we can see it in the Gartner report. But uh, the Gartner report summarizes what is happening on the market. The market is not uh, doing what the Gartner report, report says. It's just, it's just the opposite. It is the market who drives this digital change. And uh, as Kai mentioned, uh, heavy, industri- uh, heavy industry and heavy assets, totally true. They will not change overnight. But uh, even in this environment, the digital is uh, knocking the door and bringing the new, the new value. If you realize oil and gas industry, oil fields, that's exactly heavy industry. Drills, wells, uh, headouts, uh, but everything there, it's physical heavy asset. But you, if you collect data uh, from, this, uh, from these assets, if you plug them together and get the proper insight, you can optimize the cost of operations. And that's, that is the how we are bringing this digital area, digital era of solutions to the heavy industry, heavy asset industries. So digitalization is, is everywhere. And uh, we just need to spot the opportunity where we can bring this additional value. And uh, let's wait. I'm sure Gartner will notice and uh, they will write about it in the next report. <laughs> I am sure they're listening, and they are listening very intently to what you have to say. Kai, agree or disagree before I move on to one of your topics? <clears throat> I agree, basically, that, that this is a game changer. I, uh, I still think that we, we started, of course, in the 70s with digitization, but IoT is... is um, we had RFID chips before, you know, and, and the, the change for RFID came when the Internet... Came in, so we knew what RFID chips were able to, so barcoding basically. But without the networking capabilities, it was a you know it was not a very good experience. So it was, there was no big big benefit. And with IoT, it's the same. We have sensors, we have interactive devices, but without the the analytic capabilities that we are now upbuilding and the bandwidth in in data tra- uh, transmission, it would be rather just a sensor. So the connectivity and the data crunching makes the difference. And then, of course, large parts of the business can be done digital, and that's, that's a big change. Of course, not everything, but uh, we, we will gain a, a significant speed and insight if we do it right. So I, I agree. Thank you. Very interesting. Thank you both. I'm going to move on to something uh, that interests me and I think everybody out there in terms of the sharing economy. Kai, I'm looking at your notes. Let me read this and then you expand. You say the sharing economy will be largely driven by IoT, the Internet of Things, allowing us to go for access instead of owning something and bypassing the classical supply chain. And of course, the, the examples are Uber, Taxi service transportation, Airbnb, which owns no hotels. Uber owns no cars, no vehicles. So the same pattern. Kai, why don't you run with this, expand this for us, and then we'll get Miroslav's point of view on it, please. Yeah, it's even more extreme. You think about blockchain. So the the, the way to basically um, secure a transmission or a transaction without transferring money. So the, the digitization is basically shortcutting the supply chains and and 
you can see that in, in at least in Germany, you can see that the young people they don't want to to go for a driver license anymore because in in cities, and I'm pretty sure you have, will have the same in the U.S. In big cities, it's much faster if you do, if you don't use your own car. So either use a you use a taxi, not by Uber or something else, or you go by public transport, or you share a car if you must. But having a car is far too expensive. They have better things to do. As um, Miroslav said earlier, you know, it's, you have to choose uh, what what you do, what you where you invest your money in, and uh, the 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 image of, of 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 having a car and you know that freedom and driving around, you know, like like uh, like a horse, that that's gone. Uh, the, the fun is now somewhere else, and IoT basically shortcuts supply chains. So whenever you have a complex supply chain. Think about the, the seller and the buyer and, and cut out uh, the middleman and, and then you have a new business model. That's what IoT is basically doing. Hmm, interesting. And sharing you know, is I'm... just an extreme way. Sharing is just an extreme, extreme uh, idea of it. We just, you know, we go for sharing in many companies. We estimate a third of the, the fixed asset costs could be saved by sharing. So that's a huge amount of money. So, so tell me something. Is the sharing economy alive and well and kicking? I'll pose this to both of you. Miroslav, I heard you just chime in, and thank you for that. Is the sharing economy alive and well in Poland, where you are right now, Miroslav? What are you seeing? Uh, Uber is huge here in New York. As a matter of fact, it's knocking the traditional taxi medallion industry on its ear. It has devalued medallions worth millions of dollars down to well under, oh, today you can get a medallion for under 800000 if you even want one. It's it's just crazy crashing the industry. I don't know the impact financially of Airbnb on hotels. I don't think it's that dramatic. But what's happening in Europe, uh, Miroslav, in the sharing economy? Yeah, actually, uh, what Kai said is, is a very valid, valid point. So more and more people from the consumer's perspective, they are tending towards uh, using the shared pools of resources. And uh, I see it, I see this trend uh, wherever I go uh, on the planet. I see it in the U.S., I see it in, uh, in uh, Europe, Asia, even, even in Africa. This trend is uh, more and more uh, visible. But uh, we need to remember that uh, we are just seeing this Uber is called Uberization. I hate this word, but everyone mm-hmm. uses it, using it. I do this too. Uberization <laughs> of everything. Uh, that's clearly the consumer's perspective. That's a trend which uh, addresses only consumers because if the consumer is willing to use the shared resource, uh, shared hotel, shared uh, taxi, or shared mm-hmm. car, there needs, needs to be someone who will provide the service. That's this uh, middleman, the agent, like uh, Airbnb, like, uh, like Uber, like iPost, whatever. But uh, at, on the other side, there needs to be someone who really owns the assets and... Mm-hmm. Uh, provide this assets to this uh, middleman who at the end provided uh, to the end customer. And uh, the only change uh, versus what was 10, 20 years ago is that uh, thanks to the mass scale of this, uh, of this uh, service, there is a room for this uh, middle, uh, middle broker who is uh, arranging all this uh, exchange between the customer and the service provider taking some provision and uh, using this on a digital platform, which makes the life easier for everyone, for the broker himself, for the customer, and for the real service provider 
owning the, owning the physical assets. Mm-hmm. And uh, the IoT or the digital is on every layer of this model. You have the IoT on the consumer side with the fancy apps on the fancy smartphones. You have the whole technology and uh, the cloud and solution on the broker side. And uh, eventually the asset owner, he can also apply the sensors, the IoT and the data modeling to be able using the scale of his operations to run down the cost. And uh, this is the perfect uh, match between the win-win-win for everyone, which is successfully competing with the traditional way of, of doing business. And that's beauty of digital, and that's the whole power of the, of the whole third industrial revolution. Hmm, interesting. Kai, any thoughts on what Miroslav added before I move on? I have something else very interesting I want to talk to you about. No, no, go on, go on, go on. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at, we're just talking about sharing economy. We're talking about instead of owning something, we're talking about bypassing classical supply chains. But as Miroslav pointed out, somebody has to own the assets and how can they bring down their costs? Okay, an asset has to be part of this whole mix or else nothing's happening. There is no place to stay. There is no place to drive you from A to B. Okay. Kai, you asked the question in your topic uh, statements to be, you said, why should I buy in the future? So why would somebody buy it? While we're on the topic of sharing a sharing economy, I just want to explore this a little more because I think it's interesting to our listeners. And Kai says, you buy when something adds to your personal identity, when it is highly customizable and thus can be individualized, when it is rare, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to stop there and let you explain this, Kai. I think it's a very interesting look at we have the option today not to own or to not own but when is it worth our well to own and then what do we do with that asset do we become we bring that asset that we own we customize we love we take care of do we put that into the sharing economy so is it circular and i know that's a term you want to talk about too kai talk to me yeah, first of all, of course, we, we wouldn't share a toilet paper, that's, but that's the city, city, oh, uh, okay. city argument. <laughs> argument. <laughs> so uh, there, there are limits of sharing, of course, yeah, you know, so let, let's go for something that we, that we value usually or that where we invest it in our, I don't know, it, let's say a musical instrument or mm-hmm. let's say an iPhone or something like that. There are limits, of course, but I think that most of the, 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 uh, consumer products, the high-priced consumer products, do not just go for brand, but the brand adds something to your personality. That's how they are sold. So if you buy uh, a Ferrari or something, so an Aston Martin or whatever, it's, in, it's basically a statement of your personality or at least, at least an extension of something. So you would, not, you, would not, you would not share this one because you don't share your personality. So there are limits. And I think in, in that case, we would still go for the buying option. We would probably share a car just for transport. Why not? Because, you know, if you have a big family um, and you think, well, this, this is not, you know, this is not an Aston Martin, of course, you have to, you know, carry your three kids around, then you are more sober, you know, and said, okay, let's share it because it's just a transport. And I think along these, these lines, it's, it, it will be decided. It's, of course, it might be something different for, for everybody, for us, I would not share a musical instrument. Some people probably might because they only play piano once per month, and they would. Mm-hmm. So, but but that's that's a clear distinction. I think that that will be more interesting in the future to see 
um, and on the professional side as well. So if I'm, I'm a professional, let's say working in, uh, in marketing or in futuring or wherever, then, then the, the type of software or support I have is a statement from all about my professionality. professionality. So it, it might, it might uh, be that I will invest a little bit more in a customized product just for me on top of what my own company maybe will deliver. So that, that's what I think. Mm, interesting. Miroslav, I'd love to have your point of view on this. Thoughts? Actually, I won't, at some point I wanted to say I fully agree. Uh, mm. Then I wanted to say I disagree. But uh, when I, uh, even though I want to be very provocative, I cannot disagree. Because uh, when we, I totally, I'm with you that uh, these personal items are the things uh, which every one of us will buy because it's something which defines our personality. That's fine. But uh, I would uh, try to clarify that uh, or create kind of a broader understanding that uh, I would put the thesis that uh, every asset which is expensive, is uh, heavy uh, or very, uh, is, a, is a mainstream, that's something what uh, we in general Tend to uh, tend to outsource or use as a service, and uh, I believe that uh, from the market perspective, every entity uh, which is focusing on this high quality uh, rare goods, they will mm-hmm. still be selling uh, high prices, high margin uh, devices or solutions or or things because uh, they will be this unique. And everyone will be eager to have his own iPhone, his own uh, once made uh, made to measure shirt or suit. But uh, if we are talking about the mass service or common sol- solutions like everyday everyday car or apartment uh, apartment block, or uh, if we plan to, you know, buy a phone uh, to the office. We're talking about uh, leasing for years. And uh, mm-hmm. this is uh, this new trend or enabling people, enabling uh, societies, enabling customers to buy things, but not own them, but uh, use them as a service. The more brokers ca- are offering the service, the more mm-hmm. people will be willing to change their perception of owning something and uh, lean towards leasing it or, or using it as a service and replacing all the time, every 24 months, for example, 20, every 12 months for a new mm-hmm. device or every day for a new car to go to work with the new fancy brand uh, uh, Ferrari, Open or BMW. Interesting. I, I, uh, I want to reflect on a real-world example, perhaps. I visited my dentist on Saturday, what was it, Monday, uh, for a, a checkup, and his daughter is graduating from Johns Hopkins University. Uh, next week, she's going to become a dentist like her daddy. And I asked him if she had a car, because he said he and his wife were going to drive there pick up most of her things from her dorm room and bring them back before the graduation ceremony, bring them back to their home in New York where she'll stay with them for the summer. And I said, does she have a car? And his answer was, no, who needs a car on campus? They have zip cars. If they need something... 
they rent a zip car and then they bring it back and that's it. She doesn't need a car on campus. And I remember back in the day when I was in college, it was before both of you were born, I'm sure, uh, not to give any information away here. Uh, very interesting. It was, it was a banner of uh, wealth of maybe courage of permissive parents if they let you take a car to college we didn't we didn't we didn't have zip cars we didn't have sharing economy we didn't have uber you, you took a train or you took a taxi and that's the way it was but if you had a car it was certainly a brand of uh, uh, perhaps elegance arrogance of affluence all of the ants words any thoughts on that either one of you yeah Time pass, uh, times passes and uh, the new trends are on the market. And that's a perfect example of uh, what kind of myself, uh, myself were talking before. We have this, uh, this uh, new possibility for people. And uh, let's face it, we, humankind, we're lazy bones. So if we have a chance to do nothing, we'll do nothing. And uh, if we don't have to yes. service the car, pay for the insurance, and all we have to do is just press the button on our iPhone and uh, the car will be there in five minutes, why would you drive around uh, the block looking for the parking, uh, parking spot? Why would you go uh, and, uh, to the gas station to fill, uh, fill the tank? If you can have exactly the same service, maybe a bit more uh, expensive, but you're paying your bill for your laziness, and uh, all you have to do is just press the button. That's humankind, and uh, uh, that's, uh, that's uh, our future. We're, all the services around digitalization, around uh, uh, IoT-enabling digitalization, are to make our life easier and uh, to give us the solutions which five years ago, well, what I'm saying five, Five months ago, we're totally out of this different planet, and uh, they were only in the science fiction movies. Mm-hmm. Now they are there. Augmented reality, virtual reality. When I was, uh, when I was a kid, I was watching the Star Wars, and I thought, wow, it's impossible. It's, it's such a lovely <laughs> world. Well, last month, I read the, uh, this idea to send uh, the spaceships to Alpha Centauri, which will be traveling uh, 25% of the speed of the light. It's happening on mm-hmm. our own eyes during our yes. lifetime. And that's amazing. That's digitalization. That's the power of computing. Very exciting. Can you imagine how my 99-year-old mother, she was 99 on February 1st, she has a, a computer. We gave her a Macintosh. She didn't like her PC, so we gave her another Macintosh. She's got a Mac uh, i24 sitting on her desk in her bedroom, and she answers email. She carries a cell phone. She does lookups on the Internet. Can you imagine somebody at that age been around Almost a hundred years seeing this technology, Miroslav and Kai, seeing the change that she can walk around with a little thing in her purse and somebody can actually find her and talk to her on this little disconnected thing. It's a flip phone. Okay, she doesn't want an iPhone, but it's a flip phone. But but the technology is so amazing. You're saying, Miroslav, in your lifetime, I don't know how old you are. I know you're very young, but comparatively speaking, look at where we've thank come. You, My goodness. You. 
Yes, I'm just going to go with that. Now, Miroslav, I'm looking at your notes here. Something very interesting I want to make sure we get to because we're almost at the predictions round of the show, the predictions crystal ball, and this is important. You say, tech is a fundamental force in our society, but business is our core operating system. We need to update it ASAP. And then you say, every day we discover new use cases, but we still lack sound business models for the use of IoT. So let's dive into this briefly. And if we only get to one sentence of predictions from each of you, I think this is where I really want to finish the show. So Miroslav, we lack sound business models for the use of IoT. Why? What are we looking for? What should we be using? We have hundreds of fantastic ideas, startups, proof of concept, and uh, we have technology at hand. And uh, with the current technology and the computing power which is available and the sensors which are almost for free today, we have tremendous opportunity to do whatever we want. But uh, that's technological angle. That's the technological arm of the digital. On the other hand, someone needs to be able to come up with the brilliant ideas how to make money based on this, uh, on this technology which is available. How to make this... Uh, business model or the business change and to offer something using the technology or the people will be buying and uh, which is not a toy or another wearable which uh, this time instead of uh, measuring your uh, blood pressure will also give you the information what's your ground speed because that's the toy which uh, is nice fancy but it will, it's not solving the serious business problem which makes millions it's not solving uh, the idea how to make uh, your value chain as a company uh, cutting costs by half. So what is missing in the current economy are these bright ideas. There are a few, and there are a few examples like Amazon recently, uh, and so the idea of using drones to deliver your parcels. Mm-hmm. That's something what is missing, and we need more ideas like this to actually leverage the technology which is available almost for free, apply this uh, security foundation or the, or the wall around it to make sure the solution is safe and uh, build on top of it the business concept which is changing our minds. That's, that's my point, that we are still short of this cutting-edge ideas or revolutionary ideas which uh, will even more revolutionize our, our society. Thank you. Kai Gorlick, love to get your POV on this. Talk to me. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Miroslav is right that we, uh, we don't see so many exciting IoT use cases now because I, I think if, if you really look to, to our daily job, I mean, I'm still in front of, an, uh, of a laptop, you know, and I have a smartphone, yes, but that's not really smart. And the rest of my surrounding is basically still on the same level of stupidity uh, that we had 10 years ago. So it's not that we have made much progress with these IoT um, potential or capabilities. That's something we, we still have to find out. And the problem is that while, while we think it, the economy is changing a lot, so just producing something is not a, a valid option anymore. So it has to be connected and whatever. So I think 
there are some some really interesting interesting use cases and as as uh, as I said of course we we all mentioning Uber but there is the, the very first one that's basically the iPod I mean the, the first IoT idea that made a significant impact was the Apple idea of selling music that was the the, the first emanation of an IoT model and you can see how big the impact was but not much happened afterwards but you can say Netflix is based or all of the streaming industry is basically the same idea making our uh, devices a little bit more smart but the problem with all these smartness, all with this connectivity, is that the business model is changing, and that's why it's so difficult. You can basically do some predictive maintenance stuff with machines, with devices, make cling it to the sensor, and and then read out their status. Uh, but the moment you you go beyond, it's a change of business model models, and we're not prepared to have this uh, revolutionary business models yet. It's very difficult to come up with these uh, with these digital business models because for I don't know how many years uh, you, we could argue if it's 50 or 400 or 500 years we we are used to think analog business models and that's where we still are in. That's the problem. Thank you very much. And my problem is that we're almost out of time, and I do want to make sure we get your predictions. I think we've been talking future focused all hour with Dr. Miroslav Reba at EY and Kai Gorlick at SAP. But now formally, officially ring that bell. We are in the crystal ball predictions round of the show. So Miroslav, I can give you a full minute. Let's see what you do with it. I love the year 2020, but it's almost not in the future anymore because it's so close. Used to be some, oh, in 2020. Now we're talking about 2030 as the future. Miroslav, how far in the future can you look and what will be different about this topic of Internet of Things reimagining your business model? I'll give you a full 60 seconds. Let's see what you got. Go ahead. Perfect. Actually, I will go for 2040, just to make sure that in the next 24 years, you have no chance to check if I was right or wrong. But, uh, <laughs> you're you're the believe- second person out of a thousand guests who said that. I swear, that's a direct quote from a guest about in the first year of Game Changers who said he was going to go 25 years out so nobody could fact check him in case he was wrong. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I have, have waited to hear that again. Uh, I'm sorry you- as well. I thought that would be original. But anyway, it's... <laughs> Close. Uh, if we if we look in that uh, long horizon, even shorter, I believe that all the technology will be interconnected. The whole world will be interconnected, interoperable. So every device will be talking to each other, and uh, we'll move from augmented reality to the fully virtual reality. And uh, my concern is that uh, we'll be able to leverage all the heavy assets, the industry, and uh, the IoT will be over the place will be able to run down the cost of operations and in the, in the industry side. And on the social side, technology will be a drug uh, where everyone will be escaping from the reality of uh, everyday uh, technology surrounding us to the virtual reality of uh, nice, calm environments full of uh, uh, sound of birds, uh, great, uh, great <laughs> views of the forest and the, and the oceans, because that's what we people are, are missing right now. We are so overwhelmed with technology that we are forgetting about the basics, about the beauty of our planet. And that's exactly uh, what uh, the virtual reality will be compensating us, uh, compensating us in the future. 
You're a poet. I love it. And a philosopher. I knew that about you when I first met you. I just could tell. Kai Gorlick, I could give you a full 60 seconds, and we got to keep it on track here for your predictions. How far in the future are you going to look ahead? Kai Gorlick, please. Yeah, of course. Uh, as, a, as a futurist, I have to match that. Okay, let's go for 2040. Um, and I'm pretty sure I will, I pretty, I will be pretty dead by now, by then. Okay, but anyway, um, so uh, let's, let's try to, to find out what, we'll, what we will see. I fully agree we have these ubiquitous uh, computing everywhere. Everything talks and reacts to us and identifies itself. And I think one of the underestimated benefits of IoT is actually that we can do a lot of environmental scanning. So if we really put our sensors into the, into the nature, into our environment, we can really sense what's going on. So we can predict much better um, how we can save in contrast to ruining uh, Mother Earth here. So I'm, I'm optimistic that this will help us. I'm less optimistic on, on how fast we will get there. Um, but... Um, in addition, I, I may have some more radical ideas. So I think if you talk just about the future of IoT, what, what I thought about is how consciousness will these things be? Will we have robots with consciousness or not? That's an open debate. So they will be for sure smart if they're conscious. I don't know. Uh, and maybe we all live under the sea um, because we have ruined the planet and not listened to IoT and sensors and environmentalism. That may be the case as well. Kai, thank you very much. Very profound. I appreciate that. Will robots have consciousness? And will they have a conscience? That may be the most important question. Morality among robots. We'll have to think about that. I'm inviting you two back to come on Coffee Break because this series is over. I think we have a lot more to talk about. Dr. Miroslav Riba at EY, thank you so much. Kai Gorlick at SAP, great to hear your voice again. Shout out to John Ward for tweeting. Oh, we've got uh, IoT Security 2 tweeting with us. We've got EY SAP tweeting. And a shout out to Justin, our engineer. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And here's my call to action. Hurry, hurry. Fasten your seatbelt. Fast. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Thanks for listening. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.